I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. He's open to Ephesians 5 and 20. Very short passage of scripture tonight. Tonight is the Wednesday night. Uh, let's see. The last Wednesday night that we will be here in here all together before Thanksgiving. Next Sunday, or Wednesday will be split sessions, which will not give me a chance then to talk about being thankful. I try every year to talk about Thanksgiving. Sadly, we kind of uh, narrow Thanksgiving down to one day a year, which we really should be thankful every day and really focus on being thankful every day. Amen? Ephesians 5 and 20. The Bible says, And giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Certain verses I pick out very important words. Uh, one thing that stands out to me in the Scripture, not, not just giving thanks, but it says always. Always, in all ways, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And tonight I just want to talk to you simply on being thankful. How many of you tonight are thankful? You're thankful. I'm going to put you on the spot. You may be seated. Has there ever been a time where you accidentally weren't thankful? Quiet. Has there ever been a time where you've been accidentally unthankful? Just when you when you're having a bad day, it's hard to be thankful. It's hard to focus on the good things when you're going through the junk and the mess and the loss and the heartache and the rejection and the, 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 the lying and the, the people that cheat you out of your money. That's hard to be. It's hard to be thankful in times like that. Us guys, what we want to do is we want to show them that we, we can still put a chokehold on somebody. Right. I know some of y'all aren't going to be honest. I'll just be honest. I, I don't know any other way to be behind this podium to just to be honest. But I'm the Bible tells me that I'm supposed to give thanks always for all things. Now, I know I know that it's that's the hardest thing for us to do. Paul had an understanding with that. He said, I, I give, uh, he said, I glory in mine infirmities. I've often wondered what in the world was he taking? What kind of pill was he swallowing? What was he smoking? He was off his rocker. He gloried in his infirmities. But I, I, I think that 
You have to think a little bit deeper than than the normal average everyday person to realize that a person that can glory in his infirmities. Why would he think give thanks in those bad times? Why would he thank God for his weakness? Why would he glory in his infirmities? The only thing that I can think of is when we are weak, he's made strong. So therefore, where I come up short, Jesus meets us there. And it's an opportunity for us to be, have a visitation from God. And so, therefore, I should be thankful in, in all things. Um, and what, the, the, the way that my dad taught me to be thankful is to look around you and realize, and it's hard to imagine sometimes, folks, it's hard to imagine that there are a lot of people around you that have a lot worse off than you do. There are a lot worse off people. Well, you, you may not believe that, but this, let me read you a few facts. And I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not big on reading statistics, but here's a few facts. Nearly one half of the world's population, which is more than three billion people, live, I need to, I should have brought the kids in here to let them hear this, live on less than three or two dollars and fifty cents a day. Two dollars and fifty cents less. Half the world's population. More than 1.3 billion uh, live in extreme po- poverty. Less than a dollar twenty-five a day. One billion children are worldwide are living in poverty. According to UNICEF, 22,000 children die every day due to poverty. 22,000 children a day die of starvation. 88 or excuse me, 805 million people worldwide do not have enough food to eat. Food banks are especially important in providing food for people that cannot afford it themselves. Run a food drive outside or local grocery stores so people in your communities would have enough to eat. And they have to that people have to, uh, to, to do special things such as uh, food banks, food drives. Uh, just to feed people so more wouldn't die. More than 750 million people lack adequate access to clean drinking water. My friend, um, Dr. Fred Childs, he um, is a uh, off and on missionary to India. And he said that you talk about will make you feel like a dog is when you drive down the road and you see a two year old boy that's out. In the, in the septic, where the septic's running, and he's sifting through the stuff to get a drink. Because the heat is so intense. And he, he either uh, have temporary relief from drinking, or he will die of dehydration. And when you see things like that, you, it makes you a little bit more thankful uh, as to what you're going through right now. All of a sudden, uh, you can't pay your uh, your cell phone bills. Not such a big idea uh, deal. Or uh, if they came in and shut your uh, cable TV off, that's not a big deal. You can't pay for new tires. That's all of a sudden not a big deal. As of 2011, 165 million children under the age five were stunted reduced rate in growth and development due to chronic malnutrition. 
Preventable diseases like diarrhea and pneumonia take the lives of two million uh, children a year who are too poor to afford proper treatment. And these are old statistics, but this is as new as I could find. In 2013, 21.8 million children under uh, one years of age worldwide had not received the three recommended doses of vaccine against diphtheria and tetanus shot and uh, I can't even read the other one. But because of that, those children have an 80 percent chance of dying. One fourth of all humans live without electricity. Think about that. One fourth of all humans live without electricity. Approximately one point six billion people in the world do not have electricity. We we. We can't already come to church if our electric's off. Eighty percent of the world's population lives on less than ten dollars a day. And this continue, continue. And if I read all these, man, I'm, I get depressed and, and want to quit preaching. But the fact is, the most important quality that we as apostolics, just just simply Christians, let's just call us Christians. The most important quality that we can possibly have is the spirit of thanksgiving or thankfulness. I see people lose their lose their walk with God because of uh, un, being unthankful. See, people's attitudes are horrible simply because they're unthankful. I see people leaving the churches because they're unthankful. I see people living in depression simply because they are unthankful. And instead of focusing on what you do have, we tend many times to think about things we don't have. And before long, we get so consumed of it that we simply give up. We, we, we leave, uh, we, we, uh, Keep uh, our friends and family away from us. And it all begins with being unthankful. I believe with all my heart that we would have a spirit of revival like we've never seen it in our churches if we found the spirit of being thankful. We need that spirit. It it, it affects every aspect of your life when you're unthankful. I see it. My goodness, if if we would just simply get honest with ourselves and get honest with God and start counting our blessings, we we wouldn't be depressed. We wouldn't be beaten down mentally. We wouldn't be losing out with God. We would be we would find the joy of the Lord if we found the spirit of being thankful. I'll just say it right now, and I'm not going to ever get over the loss of my mother. I'll never get over it. Don't ever tell me to get over it. Don't ever tell. Matter of fact, if anybody ever it tells me that again, I may have a conniption. I'll never get over the loss of my mother. But I can lose I can lose out with God and stay in my house and get depressed and get and when it's, it's it'd be easy for me to do and wallow in self-pity and get down and depressed if I keep focusing on the loss of my mother. The fact is I have a father and I have a family. I have a child. I have children. I have a wife. I have a. I have family, and I have a church. I have people in my life that add to me every day. And and I, sure, I'm going to have a hard time uh, weeping and 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 grieving over the loss of my mother. But my mother didn't teach me that way. She wanted me to be thankful.
She wanted me to be thankful. And so I'm thankful for what I have. I'm thankful for what I have. And I would suggest this tonight, that if you come in here and you feel uh, uh, a spirit of of unthankfulness, you need to rebuke it in Jesus' name. And you need to ask God, say, God, let me to focus on things that I should be thankful on. That's the best preaching we hear all week. No, I'm not preaching. I'm not, I may not preach like Brother Winters, but I'm, I'm telling you that the secret to your survival in the kingdom of God and the secret to having joy in the Holy Ghost is having the spirit of being thankful. You'll never be the Christian you need to be without thankfulness as a major quality of your life. The Bible teaches us that gratefulness is the normal quality of a Christian's life. Without, our, without it, our Christianity would be warped and unproductive. When should I be thankful? First Thessalonians 5 and 18 says, In everything give thanks. Many times we want to offer thanksgiving to God only after our prayers have been answered. And that's the, that, that, that is a natural thing for men to celebrate after we see uh, uh, victory, after we see prayers answered. But that's not how God wants us to praise. See, if we lived our life just by praising after the victory, sometimes we don't see the result of victories for years. That would mean we would only praise God. Some people would only, actually, some people do praise God only on leap year. Some people only praise God on Christmas. Some people only praise God on Easter. Some people only praise God when God does good things for them. But that's not how God intended for the, his, his people to do. I always go back to the same story, talk about unthankfulness. I think people are unthankful. And I, I sit back and read it, but sometimes it's a reflection of my life and I should get mad at myself. But I look at the children of Israel when they're, when they're delivered. Imagine this. They have been locked up in prison for 400 plus years. The people coming out of Egypt were born in Egypt. All they ever knew was being somebody else's slave. Told when to get up, when to go to bed, what to eat, how hard to work. They had, they had died, abused, all kinds of stuff. They'd come out and God delivers them out of Egypt, brings them through the water, tells them to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And they stand back and they watch their, the, the armies that was coming back after them. They, God, God annihilates them and they, they, they saw all those miracles. Imagine this. They got in the wilderness, shoes grew in their feet. Manna fell from heaven. Uh, clothes never wore out. Uh, a cloud by day led them around. Uh, uh, a fire by night uh, led them around. The power of God was around them. Hot bread fell from the portals of heaven every single day, and they had fresh quail to eat. Anybody like quail in here? If you ever not ever had quail, you're missing. Brother Van Devender, you, you ever had quail? It is absolutely awesome, isn't it? It's better than Popeye's chicken. It is absolutely amazing. But they, they, they absolutely, in all their time in the wilderness, there was two people. Two people you only find that found 
The spirit of thankfulness. Think about that. Only two people. I don't know exactly the number, three or four million people that was, that was brought out of Egypt. Two people out of all those millions of people found the spirit of thanksgiving. And let's look back. Hindsight. Let's look back. They're the only two people that found Canaan. So what tells me this? That the secret to my success, to the promises of God, is the spirit of thanksgiving. There were two kinds of people other than that of Joshua and Caleb that didn't make it into the promised land. There were those that was focused so much on how it used to be that they wanted to go back in Egypt. They were so obsessed with Egypt that they, and they were so obsessed with it that they, they, they failed to, to acknowledge the present that they didn't get to go into promised land. They died in the wilderness. And then there was those that lived so much in their minds in the future. We want to go to Canaan. We want to go to Canaan. Canaan was so, they were so obsessed with it that they then failed to acknowledge the present, what God was doing right then in their lives. Either way, you can live so much in your life in the, in the past or you can live in the future. Both of you will have this in common. You'll fail to acknowledge what God is doing right now in your life. Hear me. Just like in our church, God filled Tanner with the Holy Ghost and God filled Zephanie with the Holy Ghost. And we can stand here and go, well, when are we going to have revival? You think about that. When are we, when's Jesus going to send us revival? When are we going to see, my goodness, he's doing it right now. And so what he's after is saying, you know what, I'm not going to give you any more until you find the spirit of, of thanksgiving. We got to find that. We've got to find that. And I'm thankful. Many times I see people, I see people, good things happen in their life and they let one little negative thing and that one little negative thing dictates the rest of their year. Now, let's look at the facts in my life. I could say, well, 2019 was an absolute horrible year. I lost my mother in 2019. And I could hinge... My whole year, and based, based whether I had a, a good year or a bad year, on one negative thing. And I can get so obsessed with that one thing and just say, well, my whole year, I hope 2020 is going to be so much better. And we, we, I see people do that all the time, and it's easy to slip into that. But I, I can be so obsessed with the fact of one negative thing that I forget about every other good thing and blessings in my life. And if you're honest before God and really start looking, you'll find that the blessings of God far outweigh the negative things that happen to you. Amen. If you don't believe that, again, go back and look at the statistics and the facts about those people that are starving to death. I saw, I, 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 when I was in the Philippines, I, I saw those people, man, they was having church. 
always, I, I can only tell you what I've seen and what I've heard and what I've experienced. And I think I've talked about it before, but the church I preached in, uh, church I preached in the Philippines last year was such a powerful place. And everybody, I mean, uh, looked over there and the guy, he had a six string uh, guitar and I think it only had four strings and the strings were about rusted off of that guitar. Man, that guy, he was worshiping God and tears were dripping from his cheeks. And I looked over and looked at the drummer and he was on the drums, playing the drums and he was singing and speaking in tongues and, and the Holy Ghost was falling all around that place. I think we had seven or eight people in that little bitty church service get the Holy Ghost. It was 11 people received the Holy Ghost. 11 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I looked around. I thought, man, if I was in the United States because there was no air conditioning and the, the, the cymbals were all beat up and the, the, the guitar was broken, we wouldn't be able to have service. But those people were so thankful for what they had that they were given praise unto God. And God said, you know what? I can move despite of all your, your shortcomings and all the things that you, you don't have. And the Holy Ghost, man, we had 11 people get the baptism of the Holy Ghost in that one service. God can move despite of your circumstances. Don't ever forget that. We can we can get so focused on the stuff. You know, watch why the scripture said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name uh, together. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Magnify, make it bigger. Well, how do you make something bigger than what it is? How do you make how do you make God bigger? He's on my present. He's everywhere. How how can we magnify the Lord? You know what that scripture is really meaning? Oh, magnify. How do you magnify something? You get closer to it. You get closer to it. Some people are so consumed with all their problems simply because they're so close to their problems. My hand's not that big until it's in front of my face right there and it's clouding my vision. All of a sudden, it's consuming everything. I can't see anything else. Sometimes you just got to move back from everything, step back. It means sometimes you just got to silence the negative voices in your life, step back. And then those things will seem very minute compared to the presence of God. Daniel saw that and understood that. And Daniel 6 and 10 said, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees. Three times a day and he prayed and gave thanks before God and and he did a four time Daniel went home to pray and he gave thanks to God. And that was his custom in the midst of his trouble, even when no answers were in sight, Daniel still gave thanks to God in prayer. Even though he knew he was going to face the turmoil, even though he had. That was kind of a problem, wasn't it? He just got word from the king. If you pray to God, your God, you're going to die. Well, he, 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 he didn't, he didn't care about that. He went home and he gave thanks to God anyhow. Many times we want, and I brought this up a minute ago, we want, we want the evidence of the blessings Before we're willing to praise and pray. 
And that's how we live our life many times. Well, I'm not praising until I see God do something. People, a lot of times they do it. You see in churches, they, they shout, but man, they shout but only when they get good news. Right? Back to the children of Israel. They were accustomed to only being happy after they got the good news. But sadly, is when you live your life like that, it only becomes temporary. Your joy only becomes temporary. That's why they, and they, they forgot. They forgot. God continually had to remind them. He, why do you think God told him? He said, hey, when you cross the Jordan River, build me an altar, build an altar right there. Build, put these rocks there. Why? Because you're going to you're going to forget. Because he understood that their joy was simply t- uh, temporary. And so by the time they got to jo- uh, their their uh, Jericho, God understood how they thought. That's why I told him, he said, I want you to shut your mouth for seven, for six days. He said, I want you to say nothing. Because he knew if they opened their mouth, it was going to be a negative thing. He knew that their joy was simply based on whether they was going to get something or not. So he said, you know what? If you want the walls to fall, you're going to have to stay silent. Man, I bet that ate them up to be quiet for six days. Some people, you can't shut up for five minutes. And then when they do open their mouth, all of a sudden, it's negative. I can't, I'm going to be honest with you. By nature, I I am a little pessimistic at times. The glass is half full most of the time for me. I look at it, oh, if I look and I've got to focus and I've got to say, you know what? The the glass is, is half full, not half empty. But the people, the people of God, God understood them. So he said, I want you to shut up for six days. I don't want you to say anything. But before I'm going to give you the evidence of the victory, before I let the walls fall, I want you to shout. And sometimes you just got to practice that. Sometimes you got to silence yourself when you don't see the evidence of your prayers coming true, number one. Secondly, you've got to learn to shout before you see Jericho fall. And that's what happened. One day I'm going to preach a message called Shut Up and Shout. Well, I wonder how that will go over. Just shut up and shout. Just sometimes you just got to stop griping and just start dancing. I told this story and I'll tell it again. It's good enough to share. I've never told it when Nell was here. Dad can contest to this. We were, we were um, at... It was a, it was it was New Year's Day, New Year's Eve. We was having New Year's church, and we were we had taken communion. We was gonna uh, we we had we was going to take communion. I'm sorry, at midnight we were going, and we were having foot washing service. We were there. Brother Parrish, uh, Sister Nell's husband, uh, was there. He had a, a, a sore on his leg that was so bad. It was uh, it was sunk in. I'd never seen a sore that bad. And they had done two or three graftings in his in his leg. And the the last time they said, we're going to do one more graft. It doesn't take. We're ended up taking your leg off because they knew gangrene was going to set in. And it was just it was just a horrible, horrible sight. And um, 
I, I, I spent a lot of time with Brother Parrish, and I'd seen his lake. Well, the night we went in, we had foot washing. And uh, common sense says, well, when you're doing foot washing, let me say this. Foot washing isn't my favorite thing in the world. But let me say this. I'm not knocking foot washing. It's not my favorite thing in the world. If it was our favorite thing in the world, Jesus wouldn't have chose it for us to do. It's a humbling thing. It's not, I mean, so he chooses it to humble us. And that's, that's when he can use us the most and move amongst us when we're less of our, have less flesh and less carnality. So he chooses foot washing. Well, that night, everybody got their foot, feet washed and Brother Parrish had gotten one foot and it was the good one. You remember that? He got his good one washed. He wasn't about to put his leg in that foot bath with everything. And I don't need to have to tell you why to gross you out, but you just didn't want it was the last one. Imagine that. Matter of fact, I'm, I, at times I'm so full of pride, I want to be the first to get my feet washed. <laughs> so anyway, Brother Parrish, everybody had done, we was getting ready to leave. And I mean, we had a good service. And Brother Parrish said, you know what? Well, I don't have anything to lose. He said, we're, we're going to wash my this this foot. And he said, I want you to wash my leg, too. Well, that didn't make sense. To the carnal man, right? It's just, just not something that you just do. Dad even questions like, are you are you sure, you know, you want to do this? And he's like, yeah, I want to do this. My goodness. He was he started worshiping God. I remember. And he started weeping and crying. There was those around us weeping and crying and they were worshiping God. And we washed his leg and his foot. And I remember he couldn't hardly walk on that. He walked in there and he began to shout and dance. Now, he still felt the pain and he still saw the evidence of the wound. But he still shouted and he still danced. Now, they were going to take his leg off because the graft, remember, was gone bad. And they because they didn't want it infected. And he just put some nasty foot bath in his sore. Which doesn't make any kind of sense. But he was desperate. And he was willing to worship God in the most intense way before he saw the evidence of his victory. And he began to worship. I'd never seen him move like that. He was a, he's a big old boy. He danced from one side to the other. He was like a ping pong ball. He was back and forth hitting the walls. And the Holy Ghost fell in there. That's one of the best services we ever had. Never seen anything like it. It was the next morning. And we, we were up till... One or two in the morning. It was the next morning. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm telling the story right. It was the next morning. God had begun to heal that wound. The very next morning. God began to replace that, 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 that meat in his leg. God healed his leg. Because, because he learned the art of being thankful and the, the art of worship before we see the evidence of our victory. And that's the way we have got to live our life. Giving thanks. Ephesians 5 and 20 said, giving thanks always 
for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are things that I I brought this up the other day. Sometimes you go, well, what what am I supposed to be thankful for? How many's ever felt that way? Come on. Because really, sometimes we base blessings. We look in our bank account and there's not as much, as much money as there used to be. And we don't have enough money to pay this bill. And we don't have this. And we don't have that. And we feel like we're just overwhelmed. And, and you go, well, what am I supposed to be thankful for? And it's sad. You got your kids sitting right there. You got your family with you and everybody's okay. And, and, and you're, you're, you're asking the question, why should I be thankful? When the Lord has blessed you, he is, he's, you know, given you a roof over your head. You got a car to drive. You got friends. You've got a church. You've got uh, friends in your life. And you're, you're richer than about 80% of the world. And we sit around and go, well, what do I got to be thankful for? You need to really, really seek the face of God when you start feeling that way. Learn to thank God. In, 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 in advance before we see the result of our victory. Man, if we could live like that, I thank God in my trials because I know at the end of my trial, I'm going to come out victorious. Here's the thing. People, the people of God never lose. They never lose. I need Paul's right now. Is, is Zane okay? Okay. Yeah, I know you, you say you're okay. Let's pray for, for Brother Zane right now. Jesus, I pray that you would touch Zane. I pray that you would touch his body. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray right now that you would begin to heal his body. In Jesus' name, settle his heart. In Jesus' name, give him peace that passeth all understanding. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Jesus name. We're living in the day where people are unthankful. Look look who he he lumps the unthankful people with. In 2 Timothy 3 and 2 says for men shall be lovers talking about in the last day. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Selfishness. Self-centered. All they care about is themselves, covetousness, boasters, pride, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. Now, come on, unthankful, he's going to lump the unthankful people with people that are that covet, that are Boasters that have pride in their spirit, according to Proverbs 21, a proud heart is an abomination in the and a stench in the nostrils of God and people that are blasphemers and and people that are disobedient to their parents and 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 people that are unholy. He's going to love people that are unthankful inside with people like that. So you can be sitting on a church pew. Not do drugs, not do alcohol. You can even be 
here on time every time the church doors are open. But if you're if you're unthankful, he lumps you with people that are proud, that are blasphemers, that are, are, are deceivers and people that are unholy. God doesn't want our lives to be like those in this world. If unthankfulness is to be the normal character of people's lives in the end time, we are to be different from the world. God's people should be the most thankful people on the face of the planet. I mean, you, you, could, you could lose everything. You can lose everything. But if you know that you have been blood-bought, you can still be thankful. You should still be thankful. Romans 1 and 21 says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. It is very clear from both Second Timothy 3 and 2 and Romans 1 and 21 that the easiest way to fall away from God is to become an unthankful person. It is at the foundation of man's fall away from God, people that are unthankful. I see the characteristics dealing with people that have fallen away from God. It begins. It doesn't begin in drugs and alcohol. It doesn't begin in people's uh, people gossiping. Where it begins is people that are unthankful. It is the basis of all men's failures, people that are unthankful. I'm just fortunate to be here. That, that's how I have to look at myself. I'm just thankful to be here. Because if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, I wouldn't be behind this podium. And that's how I have to live. I don't have, I don't have to walk around with my head hung low. I don't have to walk around feeling defeated or feeling insecure. But I have to have the humility and have it enough to say, to, to realize that I'm thankful if it wasn't for the Lord. If it wasn't for the Lord, the best protection for you to be true to God is to keep a spirit of thanksgiving. It is an invaluable quality of the Christian life. Wilson Johnson, the founder of Holiday Inn Motels, once said, When I was 40 years old, I worked in a sawmill. One morning, the boss told me I was fired. He said, I walked away depressed and discouraged. I felt like the world had caved in. When I told my wife what had happened, she asked me what I was going to do. I replied, I'm going to mortgage our first little home. And, and go into bi- uh, building a business. He said, my first venture was the construction of two small buildings. Within five years, I was a millionaire. At the time it happened, I didn't understand why in the world I was fired. Later, I saw that it was God's uh, wondrous plan to me to get his way uh and, and he got allowed him to get fired. Thus, Johnson was able to bring great glory to God in his testimony and life and helping in the kingdom of God. And he did that because he after he was fired, he said his father had taught him to be thankful in all things. Not everything that's bad that happens to you is from the devil. I remember I lost my job. We didn't know what we was going to do. I'd end up, uh, it was a, long, a very long story. I lost my job, and uh, I'd worked this job for seven years. 
And uh, I was so frustrated. And uh, But thank God for good parents and good father-in-law and mother-in-law around me. Good family. That I, I, I held on to being thankful for what I had. And that next year, I made more money than I ever made in my whole entire life. And it was the, week, the year after I got fired. But I kept, I kept the spirit of thanksgiving. I'm sorry. Is he, is he all right? I'm, I'm, uh, my, my, my mind's elsewhere right now. Wondering if he's okay. If you, if, if, if I, I'm, I'm getting ready to end. I'm getting ready to end. I, I, I just, I wanted to, to really, really, uh, bring this to the forefront of our minds to go into this latter part of the year and next year, uh, before we go into 2020, that, that regardless what happens in your life, you need to seek for the reason to be thankful. One of the scriptures that I hold on to in my life, when the Bible says, the Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice. We don't need any other reason to rejoice and be thankful besides to know that the Lord reigneth. He's in charge. He's in charge. Paul to the Philippians 1, 3 through 6 demonstrates that this thankfulness and joy comes from the knowledge that he who began a good work in us will carry it on in completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so we, we can carry in on the confidence and know that God is in charge. And therefore, we can carry the spirit of thanksgiving. I, one of my the kids, my, my boy's favorite movies, uh, and I, I try not to base any messages I have on movies. Actually, Tyler just watched it. Was it yesterday or the day before? <laughs> How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Me and Andrea Davis, when we get together, we start quoting the Grinch. Anybody watch that movie, The Grinch Stole Christmas? Now, one part in there, I'm going to use it, okay? I'm just going to use this for a spiritual application. Who would have thought Jim Carrey being used in a message? I, I remember part of that part. I've seen it so many times. How can I forget? But he steals. He goes in. He steals Christmas from everybody. He steals all the toys. He steals all steals their, their the Christmas trees. He steals all their goodies, and he, he takes everything away from them. And he goes and he's on his at his home and he's on his mountain and he's glorifying. He's glorying in being able to take their joy and steal their Christmas from them. Remember that. Anybody seen the movie? And all of a sudden, he begins to hear them sing. And he asks the question, and he, he goes through all this stuff. I could quote him and say, I'm just like him, but I'll choose not to do that. <laughs> he asks this question, and he, he's trying to figure out in his mind, he thought he stole their joy when he stole their things. And he asked this question. He said, maybe joy doesn't come from gifts and presents and things. Just maybe their joy comes from something they feel in their heart 
and in their spirit that cannot be taken. And I thought I was thinking about that, how this world does that. They put all their joy in things. And all of a sudden, when they don't have those things, all of a sudden they don't have joy and they can't have a relationship with God. And it reminds me of Job when the devil steals everything from him. And he's frustrated because he's looking back at Job and Job's laying on his back and saying, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Naked I came into this world and naked I'll leave. And when the as soon as the devil finds out that your joy cannot be predicated on what you have lost in things, the quicker he'll leave you alone. The only reason that Job was approached by the devil was simply because Satan thought that Job got his joy by the things God gave him. Because if you notice the conversation that Job had with God, he said, if you take away his things, he'll curse you. He'll be unthankful. He'll be frustrated. He'll sever his relationship off with you. And when Job found out that Job was still thankful, despite of the things he lost. Job said, I give, my, I give up on him. I walk away. I can't mess with this guy. And that's why the devil has, uh, uh, has plagued people for years. Because he knows that people's relationship with God is based on what they don't have or what they have. Paul, that's why he gave up on Paul. That's why he gave up on Peter. That's why he gave up on John the Baptist, because John the Baptist's joy and thanksgiving didn't come from junk and things. I want to be thankful despite of the stuff that I've lost. I want to be thankful despite of what I don't have. And I want to give honor to Jesus because I'm thankful because I do have a home that's beyond this world that's eternal and not temporary. Let's stand. I'm sorry I got dis- focused on that. And, and I, poor guy, thankful he comes to church, but he struggles in, in, in here, I know, when he comes. So, But uh, let, let's uh, continue to pray for Zane. And um, they, they have, you know, he wasn't, Zane wasn't supposed to live past six or seven months old. Now he's 30 years old, right? 26 years old. And the Lord has given him all these years. And let's just continue to pray for this family. And they have actually had brought hospice into their house. And so he can turn it around. But when you find yourself unthankful for something that you're going through, just realize there's others that aren't prominent. I mean, there's others going through pain like Brother Zane and, and Sister Stacy. Amen. We thank you, Lord. We thank, we thank you for what you have given us. We thank you for all your gifts. But more than anything, we give, we give you praise and honor for your eternal life that you have given us. We praise you and we thank you in all that you have done. We bless you. We pray that you would touch Zane and Sister Stacy. We pray that you would touch their family in Jesus' name. We praise you and we give you thanks in everything. In Jesus' name. Amen. Shake somebody's hand. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.